Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to Mainstream by Sifter. My name is Mitch, and uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you're, if this is your very first time listening to the show, uh, welcome. On Mainstream, the team behind Sifter.com.au discuss their experiences playing a variety of games, uh, big AAA titles, um, different smaller micro games and indies, retro releases, and it's all covered here. Uh, this week, Gianni and I have been looting and shooting in the latest uh, spin-off of the Borderlands series, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Hi, Gianni. Hey, Mitch. I've been having a lot of fun uh, with this game, a game that I haven't touched for a very long time. Last Borderlands game I played was Borderlands 1, so it was interesting to come back to, to the series. All right, well, before we get into Tiny Tina's latest homebrew campaign... Let's find out what's been making the news in this week's walkthrough. You're listening to Mainstream by Sifter. Visit us on sifter.com.au. So those of you familiar with the Borderlands series will be familiar with the looting, shooting, and cel-shaded first-person shooter RPG that has been a hit for almost a decade now, ever since Borderlands 1. And uh, this is the latest version uh, to come out on this generation of gaming hardware, the consoles. Actually, no, this is the first version on the PS5, isn't it? And this, this generation, actually. I've it is. There. Yeah. Um, this one is D&D themed, very heavily tabletop RPG themed. Um, but you still get your guns, you still get your grenades. Well, you don't really get grenades, you get spells. But um, we've been having a good time in it. It's still cell shaded. It still looks great, and it's still over the top. So nothing is missing in that regard. But, what I would um, say is, if you have played a Borderlands game before, this is a Borderlands game. Don't get it mixed around. This is a hundred percent a Borderlands game um, in the way that you actually play it. As you said, Mitch, it's looting, it's shooting, it's that kind of um, kooky sort of quests and side quests that you end up doing semi-open world but moving through different zones um you know kind of coming across interesting characters as you go along the way and the main thing you do is you try to improve your gear as you go along you can level up there's sort of a real rpg stat sheet as well as part of of part of this game um but you know or every time you move into a different area you're looking to uh find a better gun maybe find a better spell uh, find a better shield or, uh, you know, try to mix up the, the combination of skills and abilities that you've got in order to to work your way through the through the world. And as you said, it's very 
tabletop role-playing game. And it, I think what this game does excellently is that it really wears those influences on its sleeve. It is unashamedly <laughs> a tabletop role-playing game. I would love And that. really, really proud of it too, which is really cool. And, in you know, it has um, elements in it you can tell that um, people really cared about the, the uh, playing games with your friends over a tabletop. Like it really tries to capture that as much as they can. And I think they do some pretty genuine, um, honest, uh, you know, depictions of what that's like to play with a bunch of friends. Um, did you find that, Mitch, as you were playing through? I found that extremely true. Um, but then I wasn't a stranger to this from um borderlands because i thought they did it quite um i thought they wholeheartedly um bought into that in uh dragon's keep actually because there's a whole the whole thing about tina kind of telling the story and the other characters are kind of just playing the game with her on the tabletop um that is absolutely like that was definitely true of assaults in the dragon's keep um all those years ago and i'm glad to say that there is just more of that um, and like this, this one doubles down even harder on that idea, and uh, love it. Yeah, it's helped a lot by some really quite excellent voice acting in this game. Ashley Birch, of course, reprises the role of Tiny Tina, your bunker master in the game. But it's also got one of your favorite mine. Um, it's got Andy Samberg as one of the characters as well. Uh, Who's who plays- Andy Samberg in it? Because I can't tell. He's uh, he's uh, the the main the main guy. He's what's his name? Valentine. Oh, is he? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's in it. Wanda Sykes is in it in, as a robot called Fret. Uh, you've yep. also got the Dragon Lord, who's played by Will Arnett. So you know we're talking. Yeah, about no, some... okay. I I actually got Will Arnett from the Dragon yeah. Lord. I, yeah, I, he, The Dragon Lord sounds more like Will Arnett than Andy Samberg sounds like the the other main character, but. Just you wait. There are some extremely Andy Samberg bits in it as you go throughout the game. Um, But yeah, I really think that the way that they kind of depict their relationship um, as they're sort of playing this game um, to be really like very genuinely funny. And if you're fans of any of those actors, um, you know, you're going to get what you like from them. They are playing the sort of characters they are in a sort of silly, um, over-the-top fantasy world and really enjoying it, of course. Um, you You know, there's just lots of little moments. One that I particularly liked where... And, uh, you know, if you've, <laughs> if anyone has a good experience with playing uh, tabletop games is, uh, you know, the, the two characters, in, the NPC characters, uh, Andy Sandberg's character and Wanda Sykes' character, decide that this random NPC in the background is actually this evil bad guy. And they go on, <laughs> off on this massive quest. And, you know, Tina's obviously trying to direct them to the main person. And they said, no, I want to go after this blue hat guy instead. And they go on this <laughs> massive <laughs> mission. And she can tell that she's sort of scrambling to make things up as you go along. Um, let's have a listen to a little bit of that because it is genuinely one of the funniest moments in that game. Uh, filled with lots of these little funny moments that are very um, self-referential to playing uh, tabletop games. You there, traveller. I am Merrick, last keeper of the hollow key of fate. Shadows gather and the doom apocalypse of all worlds is nigh. Only the chosen one of prophecy can halt its silent march and... Uh, sure, yeah. But what's up with blue hat guy over there? Oh, he's just some rando. He's toads nobody. You're awfully insistent about this guy being unimportant. What are you talking about? This is a completely normal amount of insistence. Uh-huh. Okay, let's go talk to Blue Hat Guy, see what's really going on here. What do you mean you... You know what? Fine. But don't forget about Merrick. Oi, mate. I saw you seeing me. Just came by so you could give me a name. Blue... 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 
I'm Blucius. Blucius Hadley. Just some guy. Clearly a fake name. There's something he doesn't want us to know. What? No! He's just a, a normal, unsuspicious guy, you dummies! Time to get down to brazen tax. We both know you're not who you say you are, so just give it to me straight. What's your end game? I have no idea what you're talking about. Leave me alone. Don't let him get away. After him. Don't chase him. Too much running is is bad for your, your sweet little knees. You know. I will chase this man until my knees are dust if I have to. Yeah. So as you can hear, it's very clearly um, you know inspired by player characters who go off on their own uh, own way and their dungeon master is just trying to pull together this pre-prepared story and pull them back in the same direction but sometimes it's fun just to go to go with it now mitch you have played the more recent borderlands games you played borderlands 3 i'm just wondering where does this sit uh in your estimation how you compare this to what they've done with, with this particular game so seeing as how tina is kind of still a girl like she's not really like a teenager um yet i'm pretty sure it happens either right after borderlands 2 or during it um i think i think that's where it is like because the character design like she's still a kid and i think she's hanging out if you look at the area around her in the um in the uh parts where she's like you can see the whole table and she's interacting with her friends i'm pretty sure that's where she hung out in borderlands 2 that little like little like cave essentially where she was like a she was essentially like a homeless a homeless person and she just created bombs for people um and that is i'm pretty sure where this is set um before we move away from from the voice acting i want to mention ashley birch again because i've been playing another ashley birch game which is horizon zero dawn and sorry horizon forbidden west i beg your pardon and that is definitely a like she's got range like i've been listening to her as aloy like very serious, talking, stoic, serious. heroic, yeah, yeah. And powerful. Then, uh, and then Tina is a lunatic. And I thought, I, I first, um, the first game I ever heard Ashley Birch in was um, Borderlands Two, and I thought she was great. Um, and, definitely, uh, yeah, def- definitely agree. I, I was like, I almost couldn't pick it. Um, depending, yeah. the characters are so different. Uh, the performances are so different. You're like, is this actually the same person? So yeah, as you said, just highlights the range. Um, but yeah, so tell me how you th- you've played the recent and the most recent title which came out, which is Borderlands 3. Um, and you know, this is, uh, for, for everything that it, it, it does differently to the Borderlands games, it is a Borderlands game. Um, yes. How did you sort of rate the, the differences and changes that they've made uh, to the formatting and storytelling in this game? I have... I think for people asking me, well, this this happened to people ask me the exact same questions um, between like when Borderlands Three came out and this. They go, "Should I play it?" And I go, "Well, did you like Borderlands 2? And they go, "Well, yes." And then I go, "Well, yes." It's just more of that. Um, there isn't actually if you if you get down to the nuts and bolts of the whole situation, there's actually not much new happening here. Um, you shoot the bad guys, the numbers come out of them, and the bigger number makes that bad guy like go down quicker and stop being a problem what is but however that being said it's still more of that and if you liked how it felt to shoot people in borderlands 2 you're gonna love it it is is more of the same 
I don't think they've tried to reinvent the wheel here. They've kind of just made it look a bit different. And that is not a criticism. That, that To me, that is a strength. I think, um, I think Borderlands pretty much invented this kind of looter shooter um, idea. I think like games like Destiny and to an extent, some of the some of the um, some of the mechanics we find in our much beloved battle royales came from Borderlands. Um, so I really do think that it's it's more of the same, but it's a comfortable the same. Um, what I really enjoyed about it is it is it. I mean, it's very easy to get into a, a very comfortable play style with this game. You don't need to. It's not going to challenge you too much. It is going to be pretty enjoyable. You're moving from place to place. Um, you have to, you know, shoot whoever needs to be shot in this particular the game. Um, but you do have the opportunity to kind of build something that is quite uh, enjoyable. So for me, when I was going through, um, I, I built a, a character that had a lot of um, uh, traits and stats in Frost, um, which meant that any enemy that kind of came across me and I found a really good weapon that particularly helped out with this, uh, any enemy that came across, I would just basically layer upon layer upon layer of effects of frost, turn them into a giant ice block and then run up with my melee weapon and um, basically knock them apart, um, which is really enjoyable. And I'm curious, what sort of play style did you go for when you were playing the game, Mitch? What sort of things were you leaning towards or were you still sort of finding your feet? So I'm still, I'm still kind of, I'm only a couple of hours in. Um, at this point, so I'm not really, I'm not really at the point where I'm finding anything that really rolls over. I'm playing the uh, the dragon master character, where you kind of have this like dragon friend, and I don't think I've quite optimized this character just yet. I will say I'm liking a lot of the vampire abilities. I'm just getting anything with a vampire ability because that allows you to life leech off the people you damage, um, which I desperately need because I'm not very good at the game. Um, I gotta say, though the choice of console that i have um chosen i'm playing it on ps4 and i don't think that is the best experience for this game um the ps4 is i think starting to struggle a little bit um with how with how many particles and like cool effects are on screen um so i think if you have a choice i would definitely try and play it on your high-end computer or um, a current generation console um that, that would be my advice have you got an example of, of, of where you noticed that, you know, things was kind of um, slowing frame down? Rate, or... Frame rate is definitely one thing. The frame rate is very choppy on PS4, um, which is disappointing because I was playing Horizon Zero Dawn, um, as I mentioned earlier, and um, that handle, like that on current, on previous generation hardware is um, quite good. And I don't really notice, but you really do notice in Borderlands. And I think, but the Borderlands games have never really been terribly optimized for console, um, even though that's where I did play them. Um, so um, I don't know why that is, um, but they've, they've always struggled a little bit on consoles because of just how intense they are visually. Um, it, I guess it's one of these things you have to just sort of work out whether or not, if, you, if you've got access to a next-gen console... Um, whether or not you you can play it or not, but not everyone can. So you know, a lot yeah. of people are still playing on the on the older PlayStation fours, on the Xbox ones. Maybe they've got a Pro or an Xbox One X um, like to me. sort of make things a bit easier. <laughs> um, but if you don't and you're playing on a standard one, um, yeah, you're, we're talking about a, a console that came out what ten years ago, seven years ago, quite yeah, a while I now. I can't believe it's been that long, but yeah, it's, it's pretty old. 
yeah, it's it's adding up in years. Um, tell me, was there anything in this game, uh, Mitch, that you as you were playing through um, that kind of surprised you, or, or moments that you thought were really, um, you know, sort of challenged your expectations of what you were you were getting into? To be honest with you, not yet. To be, I actually think that it's relatively, but but keep in mind, I'm only a couple of hours in, so I I don't think I have really been challenged quite yet. Um, I think um, I'm not as uh, like the the tabletop role playing games are not as second nature to me as they are to some other people. Um, so understanding like what feats are and things like that. Like I had to translate. It took me a while for that to translate into like just video game talk. It's like, oh, okay, that's just an ability, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, that would be my main challenge. But that that would be my that would be my um, illiteracy in the uh, in the medium. I think in this time around. Um, for what me, I found I found um, there were some very funny moments that are really helped by um, the game existing in the mind of the characters um you know things that you can do you could i mean you could technically still do this in borderlands and you've sort of seen bits and pieces like this before um but there was a very funny moment where um tina is sort of directing the characters through a, a mission um they were looking for a particular item um and she, they obviously reach a point where she hasn't quite prepared what they need to do um so she goes you're getting a sneak attack and then a whole bunch of enemies race at you and instead of having the correct names uh, for whatever the enemy class that they are they are all just called ums and ahs and uh and all this sort of thing and i just thought like that's very funny it's like and, and i actually have found it to be genuinely very funny in lots of parts some of the bits i think are kind of like still so self-referential to people who've played the borderlands games in the past um you know there's some some of those main characters that you would know from previous uh previous games like talk for example turns up again um and plays a, a character in this game and you know like i don't have the familiarity with talk other than playing you know ages ages and ages ago everyone's favorite character yeah right so <laughs> yeah and uh I, I was like oh this guy is very I don't really get the shtick of what his, his deal is, <laughs> which is to be, to be on me. But, you know, because it is enough of a different thing, there's some very, like, genuinely interesting moments, I think, and the writing in it is very good. And even the side quests are, like, quite funny. And, you know, like, I went on a mission where, you know, I have to basically have to basically fight a bunch of Smurfs um, and, you know, go into that sort of world. So, like, there's lots of really interesting bits in it. Um, and I think, as you know, I was playing it on the um, on the PlayStation Five, and it looks really nice. Like it actually looks. I mean, this the cell shaded um, style of the game obviously lends a lot to it, it looking because it is so stylized. Um, it is um, you know able to do a lot more with what it's got. But you know, generally, I was taking a lot of photos in the world. I, I'm a big fan of taking screenshots in games um, and just really finding some really interesting moments where, you know, the, the game just looks really pretty um, and you're looking at like a really cool sort of fantasy world and there's lots of those like quite clever design uh, that they've put in to, to make it feel like a, a very, you know, like you're inside of a storybook. That's kind of what they were going for. So, you know, things like that have been some quite enjoyable. I'm going to go out a limb here and say that borderlands taught everybody what cell shading means is that is that is that true because well, i think i knew what it meant before i played borderlands i would say there was a game that came out slightly before it which everyone would probably 
maybe not you because it's uh, maybe slightly before your time. There was a game called 13. Do you ever remember that game, 13? It came out on the PlayStation 2 and it had uh, it was it was a comic book. It was designed after a French comic book. So it had that sort of cartoony cel-shading look. But Borderlands was obviously with the biggest titles to have it. And interestingly, I remember from the original Borderlands marketing, when it first was announced the very first time, it had a more realistic looking oh, style yeah. to it, it. It didn't look like that. It looked completely yeah. different. Yeah. And then it's been added um, in and it's become such a signature of what the the game represents. In fact, even, and you'll love this, Mitch, when, when there was a Borderlands crossover uh, in Fortnite, um, in when Borderlands 3 came out, like they actually made a section of the Fortnite map look cell shaded as you were walking into it. So, you know, it is, it's a signature of what this game uh, actually has to represent. But I think, you know, especially when you're talking about sort of a fantasy world um, that looks sort of cartoony in a way anyway, like it really makes a lot of sense uh, for it to look the way that it does. And, you know, the, the guns look like futuristic guns like you know some of them have got a few little things welded on the outside of them they might have a crossbow little um, bow part on the front but you know genuinely i don't think you tend to pay too much attention to what these things look like um but yeah it, it runs really nicely and i found it was um even when it got to quite chaotic uh, amounts of enemies on screen and you know you're throwing spells off everywhere and doing abilities and um you know all that sort of stuff, it seemed to work particularly nicely. So, you know, it is a one that I think they have really prioritised um, the, the next generation and could be one that could be quite fun for you to to pick up if you if you get the chance to, to play on a high-end machine or a, or a new console. I actually think I might go and stop playing it on PS4 and I might go get it on Steam to see how it goes. On Epic, sorry. That's where, that's where you get it. Um, and I think I might do that because uh, we... Uh, full disclosure: We got we got uh, provided copies to uh, make content with, but uh, I th- but we requested uh, PlayStation copies, um, which was my call, and I sort of regret that. Um, not to say that the P- PlayStation Five uh, version is not an excellent product, um, but I just think the PS4 could have been better, considering that games like Horizon Zero Dawn, Forbidden West, are, uh, sorry, Forbidden West. Um, are are pretty excellent on the PS4 still. Yeah, we're in this mode. I I don't know if you remember Mitch when they had the crossover time um, between any of the consoles between PS3 oh, yeah, and no, PS4, yep. Xbox and Xbox 360. Um, you know, I remember when these things kind of switched across, and there was always, um, you know, it seems crazy because these these consoles came out two years ago, right? Um, but we're still sort of in this sort of teething mode where. Some, some of the games work really excellently on the new console. Some of them aren't dramatically different, um, you know, and where, where it sort of sits is interesting. And, you know, I would say that something like Forbidden West, for example, which is a first-party Sony-owned game, um, well, they're going to do everything they possibly can to make that look as good as it can on, on any of the PlayStation consoles, while Borderlands has to come out on everything. Um, who's this game for? It's for people who like Borderlands 1, 2, 3, and Handsome Jack Collection. It's for those people. Um, if you like D&D, it may not... like It, it does. It, it is a love letter to D&D, but that might not be enough. If you only like D&D and you don't like Borderlands, this probably won't cut it for you, I don't think. That being said, it's a good selling point. I think that's definitely how I would find it as well. It's a, it is fully, if you're into the enjoyable loop of collecting new gear 
Um, if you're a player of uh, things like, well, Destiny uh, does it now, and Diablo, of course, uh, was one of the earliest uh, examples of this. It, you know, something that I think would probably kind of might, if it's not for you, it, it won't be for you, is it, it is pretty samey, like as you go, go through every area, right? Um, you know, there is a lot of repetition. You move to an area, you do a few missions, um, you shoot a bunch of bad guys. That's basically how you progress through most um most areas there's not a really a lot of puzzle solving or anything like that you do collect a few items here and there um certain enemies will drop particular items you can you can do that in particular areas but in the uh in the grand scheme of things if you don't like shooting guns um and kind of doing that sort of repeatedly to a number of <laughs> different enemies i think you might uh struggle with this game if you look if you're someone who's more a strategic player um what do you think about that i wouldn't be inclined to agree with you i think that you could probably spec a character to not use a gun at all um which is cool to think about when you're talking about a borderlands game which is all about guns Yes, but they have tried this before there have been characters that were not really that they, they could avoid using a gun um they were like molly based characters so they have existed in the franchise before so we're not gonna we're not going to do the whole bit where it's like that's the fresh and new approach for this game because it's not. It, it, they've they've existed before. I think um, there was a psycho character in Borderlands Two, which was very heavily um, melee orientated, and of course in Borderlands One there was Brick, and he had like a big melee ability as well. So it's it's not like it's it, it's pretty much it's been there for a while. So, but that being said, um, there are like spells and things now, and different melee weapons you can get. They're not just abilities now; you can pick them up. Um, if you like that sort of loop, just moving through areas, kind of repeating the same tasks, um, improving your skills and your abilities and and kind of doing that, then I think it is quite an enjoyable game. And I think as well for a lot of people, um, you know, they're going to play this in, as a co-op game, right? Because that you can play yes, it as a split screen. definitely play it as a co-op game. Yeah, you can play it in split screen, which is kind of rare now for, oh. for modern games. Okay, um, well, let's, let's talk about that. I really admire any game now that lets you play co-op split screen yeah it was it was cool to see i and pretty much at any time you can kind of start it up um and have a a split screen character kind of happening happening with you or of course you can play it online as well and i think you know that is the that is the way that most people are going to probably play this game right you you and your bunch of friends um are going to find time to to jump into this game um you might have uh, you know busy lives and you want to just have a good 30 40 minutes of fun or maybe an hour or so um, moving through certain areas and repeating certain tasks and things like that. And I think, yeah, honestly, you, you'll you get a lot out of this game. Um, and I think there's some very fun moments to be had uh, when you're playing it with others as well. I think that's the, you know, one of the, the, the best potentials of this. And because it has that really excellent sort of loot mechanic and there's a lot of randomization, but you can go and, you know, upgrade and change a few things as you, as you get to the final levels. Um, you know, there's a, enough there to get people to come back. And it's just, it's pretty fun. It's just, it's pretty mindless. It doesn't ask a lot for you, but if you want to catch up with your mates um, and uh, have a, have a fun time uh, while doing it, then yeah, I think this could be a quite an enjoyable game for you. And as well, I think as if you have sort of been turned off a little bit about, by some of the the writing or in the sort of mainstream Borderlands franchise, which um, Mitch, I think you've told me, felt a little bit old fashioned when it came out. Like it oh, hadn't really moved forward at all. Th- Borderlands Three, everybody was like, "Oh, has it grown up?" And I'm like, "No, it it's- is. It is exactly the same. It is the Borderlands Three was like hanging out with that person that peaked in high school." <laughs> 
like it was it they 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 sat there and it's exactly where it was and it was great because of uh, yeah but i think i would honestly say that i think the writing in this game is is very smart um, it's quite heartfelt. The, ca- the relationships between the, the characters are really good. The only thing I wished is that you actually saw these two characters, Valentine and Fret, in the actual game. They're only kind of like disembodied voices as you play the whole way through. Um, but yeah, well, it's, it's them quite... metagaming. It's them metagaming through the, through the campaign. That's... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Will Arnett does a great job. All the characters in it are really nicely written. It's a very... Um, uh, you know, genuinely written world that is that feels like, um, you know, a nice take on the Borderlands format uh, in a in a in a funny and enjoyable um, uh, world. And I think, yeah, pick it up, play it with your mates. Um, it's it, that's probably where you're going to get the best time out of it, or even play it yourself, as I have done. Um, there's plenty to enjoy and there. If anybody uses that co-op split-screen mode on PS4, I would like you to send me footage of that. Or just tell us how it goes. (laughs) You can add us. No, I want to see it. I want to see someone do this because it chugs pretty hard when I'm on my own playing it. So I can't imagine what split screen must be like on on PS4. So um, someone sent me that footage. There's your challenge. Um, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. It's out now on PlayStation 4 and 5, uh, on the Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S, and also on PC. Uh, we'll say thank you to 2K Australia, who provided us with uh, a code to check out the game uh, and to give it a review. This is Mainstream. And so this has been Mainstream by Sifter. It's what video games the Sifter team have been playing uh, during their off time. Uh, my name is Mitch, and thanks for being part of the episode, uh, Gianni. Always a pleasure, Mitch. As always, thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the Mainstream theme music, and thanks to Omni Studio for their support of Sifter's three podcasts. Sifter is produced by Nicholas Kennedy, Kyle Paletto, Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang, Adam Christou, and my name is Mitch Lowe. I am the senior producer, and joining me again, mentioning Gianni Di Giovanni is our executive producer. If you want to find us on social media, you can go to at SifterHQ. We're on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can join us as well on Discord. We've got a really cool uh, weekly sharing of creative works. One of my favorite things. I don't know about you, Mitch. I know you love uh, to see creative works as well. But yeah, we do this thing called Share Saturday. Um, everyone collects up all the works that they're working out throughout the week and we give you a little shout out. So if that sounds like something you'd like to do or you'd like to share some screenshots of the game, maybe that uh, that gameplay that you want to see of the split screen on PS4, you can share that in the Sifter Discord. That's sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. And that address, again, is sifter.com.au slash Discord. Can I just mention about the sharing thing? We have people sharing all sorts of stuff in there. So I think someone was like laying down floorboards the other day, and that was awesome. Uh, so if you think your thing is not worth sharing, it is. Share it. It'll be great. We love, it's a, love to It's very awesome. It's such a, such a great thing. Speaking of sharing, we have two other podcasts. One is called Lightmap, where we talk to developers, creatives, and other people involved in creating interactive media. And our other podcast, Walkthrough, which is Sifter's weekly recap of the biggest news in video games. Um, release announcements, uh, controversies, um, you can 
see what we think of those and uh yeah what games are releasing that week so you can head to the your podcast player of choice and search sifter um all three of them or all, all three of these shows pop up and uh they're all free so yeah check them out um we've got a website as well we're putting up a, a whole bunch of reviews uh on that uh you can find links to all of the stuff that we create on our website that's sifter.com.au articles uh short uh, impression pieces reviews videos and much more you can check it out all in there and if you like what you heard uh you can tell a friend uh what they uh, you know if you reckon they'll enjoy it because i think your recommendation will make a big difference and it'll actually really help the show it's one of the free things you can do if you have a bit of extra money and you want to support independent video game journalism made in australia uh, then you can buy a cool australian made and australian designed video game shirt that's at sifter.store you can there's a bunch of cool designs there we're adding new ones all the time sifter.store Made in Australia and will come out to you at a pretty reasonable rate. Or you can head to the Sifter website and click on Merch up the top. Excellent. Well, that's all for this episode of Mainstream. We'll catch you later. Have fun. Thanks. Bye. If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 